and welcome to another edition of the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. <clears throat> if you're left, you just ain't right. The Maybe the number one rule of, of life right there, the number one dose of reality the left needs to hear. Now let's start off today <clears throat> with a story about Sweden with the Swedish bikini team. Uh, let's let's call out a uh, some foolishness by the Swedish government, according to Zendo Deb three uh, Will Gun dot blogspot. Uh, Swedish government apologizes for democracy. Here's the deal, because there's another politician in the Swedish government took a different take. The story is someone burnt a Quran, and there was much offense taken at that. It's the holy book of Muslims, and I don't know why anybody wants to burn one. I wouldn't do that because I just wouldn't do it. Uh, now, I might do it if I was in charge of executing Islamic terrorist jihadist swine. Uh, I might say just uh, time to a post and... Uh, soak a Quran in gasoline and set on fire and throw it by their feet and let nature take its course because they're terrorists. But I wouldn't do it because there are a lot of people who are Muslim who aren't jihadists. They're not terrorists. Uh, in Egypt, there certain certain jihadists wanted to burn out the Coptic Christians. I believe it was around Christmas a few years ago and they wanted to destroy their church. The church was protected by other Muslim people who are not fanatics and don't believe that uh, every everyone that isn't their particular specific strain of, of Islamic should die and suffer. <clears throat> so I wouldn't do it for that reason. But the Swedish government apparently apologized for this incident. Uh, but here's here's someone who, well, he's in the. Uh, He's a member of the Populist Sweden Democrats, uh, the SD party. He weighed in on the controversy of burning a copy of the Quran last weekend, stating that the reaction from Turkey and the Islamic world has been unreasonable. Uh, SD member, again, that's for Sweden Democrats, uh, Richard Jamshoff, who is the chairman of the Justice Committee, gave his opinion on the burning of the Koran last week in front of the Turkish embassy in Stockholm by Danish anti-Islam activist Rasmus Poleden. I probably mispronounced the name. I apologize there, Rasmus. Claiming the backlash has been exaggerated. Uh, he said, I don't think you should do it, but you can do it. In other words, it's your right. And if they get upset... Then fire up a hundred more, Jomsoff said this week uh, on uh, SVT Reports, which is a local uh, broadcast there in Sweden. You see, here's the deal. Zendodab lays it out very well. You do not have the right to avoid anything that might disturb you. The left and radical Islamists think, think that you should never see anything that offends your eyes. Never. That's not realistic. If you want to live under dictatorship, she adds, well, you can always move. I think most of the rest of us would like to keep free speech. And yes, burning that book was freedom of expression, a form of freedom of speech. And it's an absolute right. And I will always defend the right. I may not like the the action. I may think it's wrongheaded. But... Is there a right to it? Abso-freaking-lutely. And that's just that's just reality. I mean, that's that's an ultimate truth right there. People have a right to do things and say things that offend me. And that right extends to me and to you and to everyone else. You can you cannot like it, but I would never argue is not someone's right. And that's what should be protected are Western values, including freedom of speech. So if someone burned a Koran and other people got their feelings hurt, you get your feelings hurt. 
uh, I don't know, go buy a Bible and burn it. Maybe that will, will make you feel better. But to threaten people and kill people over such acts is ridiculous and indefensible. That is not a human right. You don't have a human right not to be offended, ever. Now, let's go to, well, let me see here. Uh, let's go to this story from Fox News. There's a, uh, a Democrat in the state of Florida who is siding with Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm going to call him America's governor from now on until he's America's president. Uh, on AP African American History course, Basically, it's a course that DeSantis has sought to ban because it's garbage, it's anti-American propaganda, it's Marxist propaganda, etc., etc. This African, this uh, Democrat is siding with DeSantis on the the banning of the African American History course, saying he thinks it is trash. Again, it's a Democrat. He is from Leon County, Florida. He's Leon County Commissioner Bill Proctor, who's not just a Democrat. He's a black Democrat. And he's, apparently he's probably will be disowned now by the Democratic Party because he's a black person that thinks independently. And you're not allowed to do that if you're black. You cannot think independently. Can't do it. Uh, but he agreed with Governor Ron DeSantis last week that a proposed AP African-American history course that was rejected by the state's Department of Education constitutes propaganda rather than a legitimate educational curriculum. Uh, DeSantis blocked the course on grounds that it violated the Sunshine State's Stop Woke Act that was passed last year. Again, this is the governor of Florida actually doing what he promised to do. Actually not talking about wokeism and wokers and the fanatical left. He's actually stepping up and punching them in the mouth, metaphorically speaking, of course. He's actually owning them. He's actually standing up and beating them. It's called leadership. Uh, I think it's trash, Proctor said about the curriculum. There is a grave concern about the tone and tenor of leadership's voice from the highest spaces on our state being hostile to teaching African-American history, he noted. Well, frankly, I'm against the college board's curriculum, he continued. I think it's trash. It's not African-American history. It's ideology, Proctor continued. I've taught African-American history. I've structured syllabuses for African-American history. I am African-American history and talking about queer and feminism and all of that for the struggle for freedom and equality and justice has not been uh, no tension with queerness and feminist thought at all. In other words, they're hijacking a course to talk about other things and to demonize America in other ways. Again, it's Marxist indoctrination. If you go back to middle of the 19th, uh, 20th century, some Marxists laid out goals how you take down the United States. One of them was to take over the education system. Ring a bell. This is no CRT, the 1619 Project, and all those things that came out of it are meant to, to capture the minds of school kids, teachers, etc., etc. It's a war against America. That's what that's part of. That's why Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is fighting like hell against it. And by the way, just as a side note, I don't think he needs to thank you for everything he's done, Donald Trump. Why don't you shut up and run for president? Quit taking cheap shots at Ron DeSantis for no reason. He doesn't owe you his eternal gratitude. Okay? You want to be president? I wish to hell you were president now. I wish to hell you'd have never lost in 2020. Believe me. Believe me, Donald Trump. I wish that were the case. We wouldn't be in the you-know-what kind of hole we're in now. With that moron, Joe Biden. And the people are handling him. And we also wouldn't have that dent, that dits, who can't complete a sentence in public without making a fool of herself, Kamala Harris. 
we'd be a lot better shape if you were the president, Donald Trump. I wish to hell you'd won in 2020. You didn't. If you want to run again in 2024, God bless you. You'd be a good president. My dream come true would be you win in 2024 and Ron DeSantis can run in 2028 and 2032 and win both of those. I think it'd be a great 12 years for this country. And a lot of the damage done could be undone. But taking cheap shots at Ron DeSantis because he's popular and ahead of you in some polls, come on, man. That's the side of Donald Trump that's unfortunate. That's the side we don't need. So you like to talk straight to people? I'm going to talk straight to you. Although you'll probably never hear this, Mr. Trump, Mr. President. God bless you for the four years you were in office. You did a lot of good for this great nation. I'm sure you'll do a lot more if you win and, and govern the next four years. But this infighting, we don't need it, man. We don't need it. You got leftism to fight. Put your energy into that because you're good at it. And you had success. Now, God bless you. And thank you again, President Trump, for the great job you did. But come on, man. Drop the BS now, please. It's not going to help anybody except Democrats. And I don't think you want to do that. So let's get back to this course. It is, again, propaganda, Marxist theology being taught. And I salute this general for standing up and saying Ron DeSantis is right. Good for him for saying it. Now, this article continues. Uh, Critics of critical race theory argue that it is embedded in Marxism, because it is, demoralizes black students by making them feel as though success is unattainable which it does, and villainizes white students as inherently racist and and the beneficiaries of an oppressive system, which it does. Has no place. If you want to study the theory in college and have some open class debate on it, that's fine. Because it will be destroyed in open debate. I have no doubt. But to teach it as facts... As part of history, this is history, and then you teach this garbage? No, hell no, hell no, and hell no. Again, thank you, Governor DeSantis, for putting your foot up people's butts that need it. Governor DeSantis has been a frequent opponent of this and has utilized the power of his office to expunge it from school curriculums, colleges, and government agencies throughout his tenure. In other words, he's walking the walk, He's also talking to talk. He's walking to talk, as I like to say. Uh, and again, he just won re-election by a record record number. It was the drubbing of the Democrats. Um, almost 20-point victory in a governor's race in, in a formerly purple state like Florida. Wow. Pretty impressive. I hope the man is president one day. Uh, and I hope uh, any unpleasant unpleasantness between DeSantis and Trump can be avoided because it will get us lost. It will lose for the Republicans. But God bless you for what you're doing, Governor. We do appreciate you, my friend. And thank you for this uh, other politician who's standing up and and not being afraid to speak out against uh, the leftist idea that black Americans should all be bitter, angry, and ultra-liberal. Thank you, sir. And God bless you. Now let's go to an idiot. Whoopi Goldberg. You know, Whoopi Goldberg, I used to wonder when I watched, uh, when she became a name, she became a name because Robin Williams liked her. And uh, I can't think of the actor's name. Billy Crystal liked her. And they kind of, you know, she was associated with them and she got a career. And she's done good in some movies. She's acted, but as a comedian, nah, not funny. Sorry, just not funny. But that doesn't matter. See, Whoopi now is, she used to be kind of the middle of the road kind of person. You never knew what she might say. But her years on The View has have embittered her, apparently. Because she is always, always spreading left-wing talking points. I take this latest example. Uh, Whoopi, who is uh, the host of The View, also known as Five Angry Women, 
she was talking about Tyree Nichols' murder or alleged murder at the hands of Memphis police, I guess I should say. Uh, they were talking about that, and Whoopi made some stupid, stupid statements. Stupid statements. Um, <clears throat> her recent question <laughs> was this. Uh, Whoopi and the rest of the TVU were discussing what happened to Tyree Nichols in Memphis. She asked this question. Her question was, do we need to see white people get beaten before we do anything? After that, she did say, I'm not suggesting that happen. Uh, but uh, white people, well, let me say, most people of any color in this country don't will not list as an experience in their life getting beaten by police. Nobody. There's no race you can say, oh, yeah, most of those people are almost half or even a third, whatever. You can't make those numbers up. This idea that every black person has been a victim somehow of police brutality is BS. The idea that white people are never uh, beaten, are tasered, pepper sprayed, handcuffed, roughed up, shot, whatever, by police is BS. Happens plenty. Happens too much. And I'm going to tell you what I say about every every time. 99% of the people who get shot by cops, beaten by cops, I'm talking about excessive force to take them into custody, things of that nature. About 99% of them richly deserve the ass whipping or the shooting they get. Because they pull a weapon on police, they threaten police, they elude police, they fight with police, they try to resist arrest, etc., etc. A police officer is going to take you into custody, he's going to take you into custody. Resisting will not make him stop trying to handcuff you. It'll make the, the results work for worse for everybody, including you. The people who give police hard times. Again, you see them, they make their little tapes of themselves, little videos. The social justice warriors. You just pull me over because I'm black. I've told this story before, I tell it again. No one got beaten over it, thankfully. But a friend of mine, a former Marine, became a, a police officer in Grand Prairie, Texas. It's kind of a suburb of Dallas. <clears throat> uh, and going down the interstate one day, there was a, a gentleman who, his seatbelt was hanging out, and the buckle, which was metal, was dragging along the cement and kind of causing a problem because sparking, etc., etc., uh, could be bad if he get, somehow got hung up on something. So he pulled the gentleman over to tell him, hey, hey, you should be wearing your seatbelt. It's the law. Didn't give him a ticket for it, by the way, uh, for not wearing a seatbelt. But but to let him know, hey, you know, be careful because this was dragging. Bad things could happen. Just a, more of a courtesy stop than anything else. The man happened to be black. Now, the police officer couldn't tell from behind the person as he's watching this drag along the pavement on the interstate, he couldn't tell what color or even what gender this person was. But the person immediately started, you just pulled me over because I'm black. Racism, 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 racism. Anger, bitterness, hostility. And basically, he, the police officer finally got it out that, hey, look, I stopped you because your seatbelt a, you're not wearing it, but B, the, the buckle is dragging on the interstate and sparking, causing, could cause an accident, could be bad. That's why I stopped you. Well, during the, <clears throat> uh, during the, the angry discussion, this gentleman was directing that police officer, uh, he had taken on his wallet, taken his ID, given it to the officer. Everything's fine. Okay, good. Here's your ID back. He had dropped his wallet outside his car. So when the cop said, okay, have a good day, sir. And just get back to your cruiser, do your job. As the guy drove off, he noticed the wallet laying on the, uh, on the pavement there side of the interstate. So being the white supremacist that he'd really had just been accused of, of being, he picked it up, looked the address up and went to the man's house. About an hour, hour and a half later, he comes to his house. 
and rings the doorbell. The guy comes, and immediately the guy starts going off again. This is harassment. Why are you bothering me? Why? On and on. And the police officer listened to it and, and finally says, the reason I'm here, sir, is you left your, you dropped your wallet when I stopped you before to give you a heads up about the, the seatbelt dragging. So I wanted to return your wallet Hand the wallet to him. He said, thank you very much, sir. Just made sure you get your wallet back. Uh, have a good day and turned to leave. And the guy was just standing there with a look on his face like, uh, uh, he had assumed the worst of the police. He had assumed that, that this lie that the left has told repeatedly about cops targeting black people. And he made an ass of himself. And he wasn't even a big enough man to say, you know, I, I really, I'm sorry the way I treated you, officer. It was fine. The cop didn't care. He was doing his job. But so many people, so many black people in, in particular, have been told over and over and over, the police are out to get you. You know, the, the, the talk supposedly that uh, black people all have to dread giving you their children or their children to be shot dead the first time they leave the home driving on their own by police who are just looking to shoot black people, don't you know, uh, is, is, I'm sorry, it's a bullshit narrative. You know what you tell your kid when they start driving about police if they get pulled over? Be nice. Don't try to get out of the car to sit there, roll your window down, uh, turn the car off, be nice. Answer the questions, show them your ID, show them your information for registration or insurance, whatever you need, and, and everything's fine. And you know what? If you do that, everything will be fine. Everything. Uh, but this notion that uh, police are just looking. First, the first one I, I love is you just pulled me over because I'm black. You know, if you're going 60, 70 miles an hour down the interstate and you you pass one of those police officers with the radar gun and you're going too fast, you think that cop can tell when he sees 75 miles an hour and you're in a 60-mile-an-hour zone? You think he can see all that distance through your windshield and know that you're a black person? No. He knows your car is going 75. He knows you're driving it, so he's going to pull you over and give you a ticket, no matter what color you are. Again, another leftist narrative that has been used to divide people. Uh, Whoopi, you idiot. Plenty of white people get beaten by cops. And 99% of the white people who get beaten by cops deserve the beating they get, in my opinion. Uh, the people who pull weapons on fire, uh, or firearms, weapons, knives, whatever, on a police officer, attack a police officer, they deserve what they get. I don't feel bad for them for a second. If you're decent to a cop, they're going to be decent to you. Are there some bad cops? Absolutely. Are there situations where cops do the wrong things? Maybe they do have a bias. They're in the vast minority, but it happens. Uh, in that case, don't fight the cop there. Fight them and get an attorney and fight them later in court. You've got a much better chance of winning. But most importantly, Whoopi, you're a person that people look at and respect and admire. I don't know why, but they do. So think about the responsibility you have, Whoopi, of not lying and not perpetuating and furthering this idiotic narrative about black people being targeted relentlessly by cops. And that if a, if a young black man gets in a car, goes to the store and comes back, in one piece, not shot by cops, not incarcerated, not pepper sprayed, not charged with some crime. It's somehow a miracle. Stop. It's a bullshit narrative. You don't help black people. You don't help anybody by furthering that narrative, Whoopi. You should be smarter than that. You should be smart enough to know that most cops are great people. Just like most anything are great people. Well, maybe not most talk hosts on The View, but most people are good, decent people and are going to do the right thing, including police officers. So stop, Whoopi. Just shut up and think. Re look up some stats, woman. 
That's all you have to do. Do a little research. You can do it, Whoopi. Get a get a twelve year old to help with the internet. And now let's move on. I'm tired of that already. I'm going to wrap up with some uh, words of wisdom from a wise man. Uh, but let's get a little bit into this story I found on the College Fix. A Boston University professor creates a guide. He has made up his own guide. This guide is meant to deal with racism deniers. I'm sure I would qualify for that in his opinion. And uh, this is by David, uh, Dave Huber, uh, associate editor of the College Fix. And let me just say this professor, I'm sure he's thinks he's really smart. I'm a college professor. I'm smarter than you. I'd have to tell that story about fellow blogger Donald Douglas at American Power sometime. Uh, he hit me with the, I'm a professor, Doug. One time we had a disagreement. Uh, I'll get into that at some other point in time. Uh, a Boston University professor of social work has created a racism denial response guide, an RDRG. It's meant to help the alleged racially enlightened challenge their less refined peers. So in other words, it's meant to help people like him who think they're smarter than everyone else, the race peddlers, uh, basically embarrass their stupid people who try to oppose them. Uh, for Felipe Copeland, statements such as, I don't see race, uh, you're just playing the race card, and they were just a person of their time, are all examples of racism denial. Well, I can't speak for anyone else, Felipe. I can speak for me. Uh, if I say I don't see race, I really, I see, okay, that's a black person. I see that's a, perhaps an, a Japanese person, could be another, but typically Asian person. I can see that. I just don't really care because it doesn't, doesn't affect me. Okay, they're what they are racially. Who cares? That's more my attitude. I think it's probably the attitude of most people who say, put it in the words of, I don't see race. In other words, they don't care about it. It's no big deal to them. Um, and people who say, well, they were a person of their time. When you look at history, you judge people by the time they lived. What was their attitude about, uh, say, slavery when most people supported slavery? What was their attitude about anything when most of the country or most of the world, whatever the case, was a different attitude? You judge them by the time they lived and their attitudes during that time. You can't transport them two, three, four, five hundred years into the future. You just can't do it. So you judge them by the time they lived. It's really not that hard, Felipe. Really not. Now, continuing with uh, this professor, he, he makes this argument, Mr. Copeland makes the argument that uh, racism denial comes in many forms, such as refuting. So if you, you hear something, the accusation of racism, uh, and you say, well, actually, I've been through the same thing. I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, there, there, the local pizza hut, was was for whatever reason it went through a period of terrible service they couldn't get pizzas out and i remember friday night i i made my order online uh going up to get the pizza and literally the little lobby there basically it wasn't a dine-in you just went in got your pizza and went uh, it was filled with people who none were happy all were waiting way too long for their pizzas <clears throat> It was completely, uh, completely a joke what was going on. Uh, but I remember one one lady who was black making the remark that, yeah, you know why? Look, look at you. Look at everybody in here. And I remember looking around and literally there was probably half and half white and black. <clears throat> but 
but all she saw was racism. And I kind of looked at her, and I wanted to say very badly, then why are half the people here white? That, I guess, would have been denialism. So when someone falsely claims racism in your view and you try to prove it by inserting facts, eh, you're a bad person now. Now you're just, it's denialism. It's refuting. No, we can't have that. Then there's minimizing. Uh, He says, this is attempting to paint racist incidents as isolated matters or suggesting those incidents are being exaggerated. Well, there's also many examples of them being exaggerated. Like that, if that's the first thing someone uses, is that this is racism when they they get poor customer service or pizzas are taking too long or whatever the case, it's, it's the go-to automatic first response to everything negative in their life is it's racism. I catch these lights every day. These lights are racist. Every red light I catch going to work, it's racist. I remember having a job and I had to go and literally almost every morning I caught just about every damn light. Wasn't that windy afternoon? But what if I was angry enough to say it must be against white men like me? Again, idiotic. But you're not supposed to bring it up. You're supposed to just say, oh, it must be racism. Everything's racism. Uh, There's revising history. Uh, for Mr. Copeland, pointing out that many or most people in the 16th, 17th, and 18th century viewed slavery as a normal facet of society, which they did, and crossed the globe, um, and that the evolution of civilization is a natural phenomenon, that's a revision. You're revising history. No, you're stating a fact. There was a time when women couldn't vote. I mean, the idea of women owning property, voting, all across the globe. It's no big deal now, is it? Society has advanced. Society got past those things. Progress has been made. It's amazing how much progressives hate to talk about actual progress. I don't think there's anything more offensive to a progressive than progress. They tend to be more regressives, really. Then there's myopia. Uh, He defines that as an unwillingness to perceive racism accurately. In other words you don't agree with him. If you disagree with him, you're, oh, you myopic fool. If you believe racism had little or no role in a certain outcome, then you're racially nearsighted. But what if it didn't? I mean, really. Fact is, there, there was a time I can remember a server coming to me and saying, it was a Sunday morning, uh, Sunday early afternoon, kind of after church, time and uh, several tables had come in and and uh, two or three of them were, were black families and he was by his section he got all of those those people and uh, he didn't want to wait on the black people and he was black he didn't want to wait on them because at that time it was pretty common for black people to leave bad tips in that establishment now, I, in working in the industry, I saw it change. Uh, most, that's, that's changed a ton. And some of your best tips now come from black people. When you're a restaurant bartender, server, something like that. I'm not talking about uh, tipping the guy that uh, made you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I mean, why? No, no one should tip for that. It's nothing. Now, if they make some kind of mochiata chino thing that that takes 17 minutes to make, yeah, you ought to give the guys some money. But again, that's a different argument for a different time. But tipping black people, there was a time eh, 20, 30 years ago when a lot of people, servers, bartenders kind of grown because Tipping was worse among, just like elderly people, worse tippers. Uh, doctors, worse tippers. I think the worst, the ones who had the reputation as the worst tippers, and I can vouch for it, were middle-aged white women. Middle-aged women, especially white women, but in a group of three, four, like around lunchtime, 
they would have demand after demand after demand and, and very very chintzy on the tip and very much would rub your nose in it. It, it was like the most unpleasant experience to have to wait on a table of middle-aged white women. <laughs> I, I, honestly. And I would, I would say Mary Kay people are the worst because they are. But uh, th- those were the worst examples. And most of them were not black. Most of them were white. But you can get into discussions about whether it's race, whether it's not. People who go to, to it's got to be racial first, have an obsession there. And generally speaking, they're wrong. They, they go from personal experience only, and that's it. My experience has been, uh, has been to observe what happened to me. I don't look at other things. I don't look at somebody and, and it put race first. I wasn't raised that way. I was raised, you judge people by the way they act, you treat them by the way you want to be treated. Very simple, very reasonable. And you know what? If everyone was raised that way, it'd be great. And I will say that uh, certain groups of people, either by age, big by age, uh, you don't really want a large group of, of, of young people in your store at one time. Because, yeah... You're going to have some things lifted, probably. You're going to have loudness. You're going to have a lot of older people don't want to come in. If it's like a convenience store, a little a community convenience store, something like that. But most of those kids in that situation are white. And they're just kind of a pain. And they're just kind of being idiots because they're teenagers. Racism is a serious thing. To to hate somebody or think less of them because of their race is a it's pathetic. That's that's the word that resonates with me is it's pathetic. And pointing out that uh, society has changed, of course it has. There were there were there were many things about America that were wrong at its inception. But you know what the system put in place has ended racism and sexism and given women the right to vote and made things equal and made things better. And the, I guess we'd call it the advancement of of human thinking. As you get older, if you're a smart person, you see things, you observe things and you, you get better and you want things to be better, uh, has worked. We're, we're not largely a racist country. We're very unracist in most ways. And this professor makes his living off, off trying to sell what a victim he is, what a, what, how racist America is. And if you disagree with him, he's done what a lot of professors do. He's pretended he's smarter than you, so he's come up with this BS little, little system. Uh and accusing you of, of minimizing or arguing too much or, or denial or whatever. Again, it's, it's a cheap way to try to win a debate, to win an argument. And too many people fall for it, quite frankly. Um, and his response strategies, basically to anyone who says that's not racist, that's just life. You know, his response strategy, one of them comes under the minimizing category. And it is defined as explaining that progress deserves a celebration, but should not lead to complacency. That makes sense to me. Yet a strategy under revising history reads that explain that the historical period in which people live is not an excuse for racism and that anti-racists were people of their time. So in one instance, you can't be judged for the time you lived, if it was four, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred years ago, whatever. Progress is a good thing, in other words, but you have to expect that people centuries ago, they should also live up to our current standards. That kind of wipes out the word progress, doesn't? Remember me telling me a few minutes ago that, telling you a few minutes ago that progressives don't like progress. Exactly. Uh, and of course, uh, Copeland is faculty lead for education and training, uh, 
for Ibram X. Kindi or Kindai, Center for Anti-Racist Research and founder of the Anti-Racist Learning Lab. According to his faculty page, the professor's specialties include theories of justice and racial justice, uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and abolition of mass incarceration because we don't want to lock violent people up. Uh, his personal mission is to achieve a world without racism, yet all he does is find racism because it pays his bill. And Mr. Kendai there, Ibram X., uh, he comes from a very privileged background. He's probably never experienced actual racism in his life, but he makes makes a lot of money going to college campuses, telling all the the, the uh, college students how, what a victim and how bad America is, and how bad white people are, and how racist America is. So this is basically just a response to someone calling them on their shell game, on their con. Then they come up with more BS to try to make you look bad either make you look like a racist or just look foolish or not uh, not as bright as they are. And if you can hide behind the name professor or the title professor, I guess it helps you with some people that say, well, he's a professor, don't you know? Yeah, so what? Uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm debating a surgeon, a brain surgeon, I'm not going to try to debate him on brain surgery. I'm going to say, look, you're the brain surgeon, dude, not me. But if I'm if I'm going to debate somebody that I, I am capable of debating, it's not like talking about race. I'm going to use common sense. I'm going to use what I see. I want to see the rea- I want to use the realities of America right now. And America is not a racist country. And all of our sins that the left will not let go that could again they insist they still exist somehow which is a lie. Those things have been corrected. America's cleansed itself many, many times on many, many things. And the left doesn't appreciate that. They resent it because it makes the race pimp's job much, uh, much harder. And one more story here, my friend. I know I'll be brief with this one. Uh, Dennis Prager on the Daily Caller wrote a good piece uh, and is entitled LGBTQ Pride is not about tolerance. It's about totalitarianism. On that, I would agree. Uh, This past Saturday night, New York Rangers National Hockey League team did something almost unbelievable. Though scheduled to wear their LGBTQ pride jerseys during pregame warm-ups, not one member of the team did so. Another recent example of defying LGBTQ plus pride uh, jersey demands in the NHL, which is run by people who are as governed by cowardice as those who run Major League Baseball, the National Football League, and the National Basketball Association, was a player for the Philadelphia Flyers, Ivan Provorov, who refused to wear a pride jersey uh, 10 days earlier. Uh, Provorov refused to participate in pregame warm-ups where players wore pride-themed jerseys and wielded hockey sticks wrapped in rainbow pride tape. I respect everyone, he said. Uh, I respect everyone's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion that's why he didn't wear the, the rainbow things or have the rainbow tape on his stick. Provorov is Russian Orthodox. Uh, perhaps the New York Rangers organization was aware of the amount of support Provorov received. Multiple news outlets, including the post-millennial Outkick and Washington Examiner, have since reported the Philadelphia Lives Provorov jerseys have been selling out in multiple stores online. In other words, hockey fans, sports fans said, man, this guy stood up to the bullies and he won. The team supported him. His coach came out with the league, said, hey, we support many causes, but ultimately it's up to the individual player. And guess what? There goes his, his sweater selling out. A lot of people are tired of the wokeness, my friends. This mirrors society at large, Prager writes. The vast majority of Americans believe in tolerance of LGBTQ plus individuals, but not 
in organizations expressing pride in them. Me, I'm for, if I want to watch a hockey game, I want to watch the hockey game. I used to say the same about basketball. I barely watch anymore because of all their BS. Same with the NFL, same with college football, same with baseball. If I want to watch it, I don't want to think about anything but the basketball game, the hockey game, whatever the sport is. I think most people are that way. Pride is not about tolerance, Prager writes. Pride is in, is totalitarian. And when we're talking about the gay pride, the rainbow everything, and, and you better march in gay pride parade, and you better say LGBTQ plus community, and yada, yada, yada. That's what he's talking about. Those people want to force everyone to kneel when they're told, say what they're told, repeat what they're told, and shut up otherwise. Tolerance is about behavior. Pride is about thought. The proof is that while there are laws governing tolerance, there are no laws governing pride. And if there were, most people would understand that such laws would enter the realm of thought control. Ultimately, that's what this is about. Reprogramming you. Making you a useful soldier, a useful idiot for whatever they have next. Most people could not articulate the totalitarian nature of LGBTQ uh, plus pride, but they do sense it. This is why Provorov's jersey became the Flyers' best-selling jersey. Contrary to the pablum written by virtually every sports writer in North America, uh, he adds, there is no more sheep-like group than sports writers, and that's the truth. Uh, people do not oppose LGBTQ plus jerseys, knights, hockey sticks, illumination, and other displays of, of, uh, of that. They don't hate gays. They do so because they're into it. That is that this is totalitarian. That they and their teams are being forced into groupthink. Bingo! Nailed it. Bullseye! Yahtzee! Absolutely, perfectly said. This is about bullying you, cowing you, making you kneel, making you conform and comply, or else. Not making you your beliefs change, but your outward outward stances and statements have to match what they want it to. That is why the left chose the word pride, Prager writes, and not tolerance. Pride is about thought. Unlike liberalism and conservatism, leftism is totalitarian. Oh, totalitarianism and totalitarianism controls thought as well as speech. The only difference between the American left and the communist totalitarianism is opportunity. All leftists want to control speech and eventually thought. Thus, if you treat gays in your daily life just as you treat heterosexuals, that is not enough. You must go much further. You must express pride in gays and lesbians. You must celebrate them, in other words. And not in just gays and lesbians, but in the bisexual, the transgender, the queer, and the non-binary, you must not only say, but think, I am proud of people who consider themselves neither male or female, as if such mental illness is an achievement. So too, you must refrain from thinking, let alone saying that having a mother and father is generally best for a child, or that one man married to one woman is best for society. And you must refrain from expressing any reservations about teachers no longer calling their students boys and girls, or about drag queen story hours for five-year-olds, or about giving hormone blockers to children. Again, conform, comply, period. No other option is available. No other option is approved by the status left. The next time you read Prager writes about thought control in North Korea, Understand that North Korea's thought control differs from pride at days and nights at sporting events and from the rest of the left only by degree. The left in America, like the left in North Korea, demands your mind, not just your behavior. Absolutely, perfectly said, as is usual with Dennis Berger, a big fan of his. He's a national treasure, my friends. The left wants to control you. Now, they can't literally control your thoughts, 
But if they can punish you, if you express those thoughts, eventually they may get your thinking to change or they may get two, three generations down the road and, and can anyone think? I know they can't think critically anymore. No one can think. Everything's emotional. Everything's what you're supposed to say. How many times have you heard this? A lot in sports writing, you hear this. Uh, some backup quarterback will will be asked some questions about the four or five games he had to start and how well he played. And the starter comes back and he's he's kind of struggling. And he, they're asked by sports reporters. And you'll hear the commenters say in, in sports, well, he answered all those questions. That's what you want to hear. Somebody telling you what you want to hear doesn't do you any good. Did they mean it or not? That's my concern. My concern is not if I heard the response I want to hear, that's meaningless. I mean, if I go ask an attractive woman out, she says, yeah, you know what? Not only will I go out with you, I'll come by, pick you up, I'll pay, and I promise you a night of, of magical passion. Sounds great. What if it doesn't happen? The sounding great part doesn't matter anymore, does it? It's the truth that matters. It's facts that matter. And that's what the left cannot have. Not only must you say what you're supposed to, but you better think it as well. But never give a hint of not thinking it because we can make it bad for you. And don't be surprised one day if there is a force of new brown shirts like the Nazis had, black shirts like the fascists in Italy had, except these will be wearing rainbow shirts and they'll be just as vicious, just as cruel, and just as insistent that you conform and comply or else. This is Doug Hagen for the Delegator blog. Thank you for listening, my friends. Good night. Good morning. Whenever you listen, God bless you. Take care. Three rules to life. Go Gators. God bless America. And if you're left, you just ain't right. We'll talk soon, my friends. As in, ah, what the heck, tomorrow. It's a Thursday tomorrow. Thirsty Thursday. And I've been talking so long, I'm thirsty. I got to go uh, chill the pipes, my friends. Good night. Take care.